Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, joined by my co-host, Tom Lewis, and Caitlin Cooper of Indie Cornrows as well. Uh, we're going to cover the, the scrimmage that just went down today, obviously keeping in mind that you know it's, it's just a scrimmage. First of all, if you have not already, please go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify and read our articles on Indie Cornrows. Guys, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Well, I, Tom, have you gotten to see the scrimmage yet? <laughs> yes, I've seen I've seen the bulk of it, <laughs> unfortunately. So one thing I'm not a big fan of is the local blackout on NBA TV. Um, and I mean, I know they're streaming it on uh, Pictures.com and the app, but it uh, makes it a little harder to, to uh, see it unless you're right on time. So, um, you know, it's a scrimmage. I'm not sure why they don't want everyone to jump That's, in the pool. <laughs> I don't understand that <laughs> but, either. Uh, you know, I know there's rights and all that stuff, which I, I don't really care about at this point because I just – would like to be able to sit down and watch it on the TV a little easier than setting up a computer and doing all that. So, but regardless, yes, I've, uh, I've, I've stopped plenty and, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty fun to watch for the most part. Yeah. I'm having to watch it on the league pass stream off of the opposite broadcast and almost every, <laughs> almost every commercial break, it, it stalls out and I have to reload it. So I didn't even, I didn't get to see about the last four minutes because it stalled out to the, like the fifth time in a row and it wouldn't reload. And I was just like, well, I have to pull that up tomorrow and watch the last minutes of garbage time. So yeah, I missed a little JJ Brea there. So <laughs> he looked really bad against the starters. He was struggling. Uh, he could not hit anything, but it was funny. So I, I was talking to my friends about this earlier. I haven't had any issues with league pass other than everything about league pass, except for streaming is terrible for me. The rewind yeah. time. Like, I feel like we need better than a 20 second rewind. Cause that's like, one and a half or two possessions sometimes. Uh, yeah, they could definitely rework it for the amount we pay for league pass, but whatever. <laughs> you know, getting on to the scrimmage. Um, so for the first time, actually, uh, Tony East corrected me on this. I thought it was zero possessions, cleaning the glass had it had it that way. But in, uh, I believe, the 27th against the Trailblazers, the starting lineup played the only five minutes together that they've played all year. So the starting lineup was Aaron Holiday, Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, TJ Warren, and Miles Turner. So our kind of first dose of, of Pacers small ball, uh, at least in the starting lineup, uh, you know, the bench pretty much runs small ball. Um, it, a lot to take away from today. You know, obviously, again, keeping in mind that's a scrimmage. Uh, I think the first thing that I want to look at, I, I, I pointed out a couple times today on Twitter, um, that I believe they ended up shooting the 31 threes today, which would have been, I believe, in yep. the top 10 games uh, for three-point shooting this season. Did not shoot well, shot below 30%. Um, but I thought it was, it was promising. Some of the looks were looking really good. Uh, I mean, TJ took five threes. He's normally a pretty low volume guy, like two or three a game at most. Um, Miles, I thought could have taken a couple more, but he looked really good today. I, I like, I'd actually love to start off talking about Miles and, and how confident he looked. Oh, Miles's feel looked good in terms of what, what reads. I mean, I really liked it when he slipped the pin down that Doug McDermott completely missed him on because I've been wanting him and Sabonis to do more of that because that's going to be wide open for the two of them, especially with Doug's gravity. He didn't see him for a wide open layup. But the one thing that I think is interesting, and this is not at all a criticism of Miles, he did well with what he was given. But, yeah, one, one three-point attempt I, is very strange to me when you're out mm -hmm. there, partially against Boban, and especially when Boban was sitting yeah. way back in the zone. Like, how are they only generating one attempt? And I went back and looked at his possessions, and they posted him today 
more than they used him out of the pick and pop, which just, I mean, the very first possession, they were posting him against Kleba, which, you know, why? I don't really get that. Like, I mean, I'm glad that Miles has worked on his post-up game, especially if he gets a switch. I think that's an important thing, especially for the playoffs. But I don't really think that they need to just plug him into the Sabonis role. Let Miles be Miles. Like, when he put the ball on the floor and drove past Kleba, great. When he popped out the three, great. Exactly. Like, that's that's the role that Miles needs to fit into moving forward basically what the Mavericks were doing with Kleba that's what the Pacers should have been doing with Miles especially with what defensive matchups he had I don't really have a need to to post him five times a game like they did today yeah I got I had the same kind of feel I thought you know I understand well I I didn't love it but I kind of got maybe going to him for the first uh first first possession just to get him feeling like he's engaged in part of the offense Uh, because I know that's you know that can be a thing coaches do uh, so I was fine with that. But, yeah, I felt – I mean, he, he posted probably four or five times in the first quarter, uh, which was a, a little overdone in my opinion. But, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, um, you, you know, like you look at the Mavericks and, and they have at times, you know, the five wide spread out. And that, that's tough to guard for anybody. And, <laughs> and the uh, the bonus with Turner playing the five now is, like you say, I mean, Boban sagging off like that. You gotta just immediately start forcing it almost to get Miles a shot out there and, and make them change up defensively. Um, but overall, I just I, I like the you know the flow in Turner's game, the confidence, and you know almost at times he was a little crafty, like you said, slipping to the hoop and and um, and being more assertive in that way. Uh, but they gotta find a way to get him some shots um, with that lineup, and I think that just would put so much pressure on the defense, and especially against a Mavericks team that really isn't that strong defensively. Uh, you want to take that uh, advantage of that. Um, but, you know, back on the three-pointers, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I, don't, I don't mind the eight for 31 night. At this point, I'm almost just looking at the attempts and worry about the makes <laughs> somewhere else. But it's nice to see that, they're you know, they've been pumping up 30 a game here. Obviously, this is just – scrimmage stuff and um as we say but uh but among those starters i mean they're they're getting up a lot of threes so um overall i think that that's a good sign but now we got to make sure you know we spread the love to the big man yeah yeah i agree so oh sorry to cut you off Caitlin, but just no. a, one quick note like i thought it was interesting the, the bench took hardly any threes i think it was five combined threes for the bench uh which normally it's the other way around so yeah. that was that was the one part I'm a, I don't want to say I'm concerned about, but they're definitely missing Sabonis' playmaking in the bench lineup. Right. There was one play where Jakar Sampson kind of completely whiffed on the wide pin for Doug McDermott to be able to come and get a clean three, like didn't make contact on the pick. And then I think they ended up – I think Doug ended up traveling and it was a turnover. But, I mean, yeah, you're going to be able to see that impact. I mean, Doug McDermott only having one three is – like, the people that were getting the threes, the shot distribution was a little bit iffy because mm-hmm. Justin and Miles and Doug combined for only five of their 30-plus threes, which I did look, and threes are up across the board for these scrimmages. Like, I looked in the average per 100, and these two scrimmages for the entire NBA is over 35 attempts. So, like, it's kind of natural that the Pacers yeah. are taking a few more now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm somewhat cautiously optimistic, but those attempts have to go up. Like, if Sabonis isn't going to be playing, the Pacers have to shoot the three because 
I looked at their minutes whenever um, for the full season when Miles has played without another center, without Goga, Sabonis, Jakar, or TJ. That's actually more minutes than I thought it was going to be. It's over 470. Mm. And their opponent's offensive rebounding percentage is up over 29%, which that would be like right at the top of the league. Like that that's just absolutely gobbling up rebounds. So they're going to have to compensate for the extra possessions they're going to give up which that wasn't a huge thing against Dallas today because they were mostly playing smaller too. Like obviously Boban was out there, but they weren't playing two bigs like they would have if, you know, Dwight Powell and, and Porzingis were both healthy. So, and they're not a great offensive rebounding team either, but they're going to have to compensate for that. And that's going to have to come from three point attempts. And like we said, it's, it's how they get those attempts. Like it's going to have to be more drive and kick, which was important with some of the stuff Victor was doing today. Yeah. And so speaking on the driving kick, I thought, this was like the first game watching uh, Old Depot and Brogdon where it didn't really feel super my turn, your turn. Like I felt like their synergy looked pretty, pretty good today. Yeah, well, I mean, when Victor split the one trap and had the really nifty pass out to Brogdon, that was nice. I mean – I don't want to get too like over the top about Oladipo's performance. <laughs> yeah. Like I saw some pretty um, massive superlatives about him dominating and dazzling and like other stuff. And like, it, it's nice to see him getting some of his footing back and doing that tap dance there. But um, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that he hasn't taken basically any attempts in the restricted area. If I'm being honest, like he's mm-hmm. yet to attempt a free throw and, and it's good that he, his shots coming back. It seemed like he got his stroke back some today and, he hit those threes, but I don't think you can count on that being there every day, especially because Luca and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. were ducking under on some of those picks when he made some of those shots. So I don't think that's the coverage he's always going to see, and I don't think you can count on him shooting you know, 50% from three in every game. He's going to have to be able to get into the paint and, and absorb some contact at some point. And it kind of seems like when he's getting into the paint, he's kind of doing more of like a, a pass-first point guard and is already looking – for where he's going to find that pass out point rather than looking at the rim to be able to get in and get a shot, which, I mean, I think the driving kicking is important, like I just said, but I, I, he's got to be able to get to the line. And I don't know what, if that's a mental hurdle right now, or if that's, he just doesn't feel like taking a bunch of contact and, and no offense, but a meaningless scrimmage, like doesn't want to take those hits. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but he's only taken one shot in the half court in both of these scrimmages inside the restricted area. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because uh, a lot of the driving opportunities, other than that one, I think every single one has been a floater if he does try and take anything at the rim. Um, So, yeah, it's been – I agree. That was something I noted as well, no free throw attempts. Um, Hopefully it's just because it's a scrimmage, but also at the same time you think everybody's going a little bit lighter on a scrimmage, so maybe he would be taking restricted area attempts. Uh, Regardless, definitely something to – to keep note of moving forward somebody who has been taking shots in the restricted area and actually converting them has been Aaron holiday, which has been, um, again, it's small sample size. Uh, but I've loved his, his tenacity getting to the rim and actually seeking contact because I think that's been a problem for him. Uh, I mean, his entire time in the league, he, he's really not been good at trying to absorb contact and, and using, uh, his strength a little bit to try and contort the defense. And I thought that he, he's been doing really well with that lately. Oh, sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, uh, I, you know, Holiday's got that kind of freaking wingspan, but, but he can get those shots off in the lane, and and it does seem like instead of trying to, you know, a lot of times, especially those young guys, they're expecting to draw a foul when they get in there, and there's all that contact, and and you know, until you get to a superstar level, that really you really get that. So that's the next step, adjusting to taking that hit. 
and being able to finish. I mean, that, that was a huge thing with, uh, you know, Steph Curry as well, when he was able to uh, become a magician and they're finishing like that. And then, you know, he's almost unguardable offensively uh, when you get that, that game going. Now, if Aaron could start shooting the three like Steph, that'd be great too. But um, he's a little streaky as well out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I noticed that it's, you know, some, I think obviously it's a, a reps thing with him and, you know, he's going to have a role and opportunity here to, to really build on it. Yeah. I mean, I like the one possession a lot against Portland in particular, whenever he was at the slot and he drove against Gary Trent Jr. and was able to get to the other side and, and still get his layup off against a pretty strong defender. I mean, Victor had had issues in the first half being defended by Gary Trent, he pushed off for an offensive foul and then got the ball stolen from him. So for Aaron to be that confident to put the ball on the floor and be able to get all the way to the basket, like you say, instead of stopping short, sometimes he stops a bit short and Mm -hmm. goes with a floater instead of getting all the Mm -hmm. way in the basket. And I think Aaron's done a little bit better job of that in these two games. Yeah, speaking of Gary Trent, he also sent Doug McDermott in the next week. Um, That was fun. Uh, So, (laughs) um, yeah, also, so, you know, transitioning to defense a little bit, um, first, looking at the rebounding, I think the rebounding has been solid. I actually was kind of surprised today. I know the Mavericks, I don't have their numbers in front of me. They're not a phenomenal offense rebounding team like you mentioned, Caitlin. But also, I thought the guards rebounded really well today on the long rebounds, which you've been vocal about on, on how, how poorly this team has, has gotten long rebounds. So I think that was a good sign today. Um, I think especially having Victor back as well is huge for that because obviously we only saw it over the last 13 games. But um, I, I think – people kind of forget how good of a, a rebounder he is for his position. So I think that's definitely uh, instrumental in helping as well. But I, I, I'm, I'm not bullish on our rebounding long-term. Yeah, I think – I mean, I think Victor and Brogdon, what were they at? Each each had seven rebounds yeah, I think, apiece yeah, today? Yeah, Vic had seven and Malcolm had six, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that I think is going to be interesting to watch with Oladipo because he still seems a little bit um, – one foot in one foot out about whether he's committing to this or not. I don't know what he said after today's Mm -hmm. game about whether he feels confident or not. Um, But depending upon what goes on with Sabonis, like you just said, he's a good rebounder for his position, but he's going to have to be smashing down on the defensive glass on almost every possession with, with this smaller lineup out there. And then he's going to have to be driving and kicking more in order to generate some of these threes, he's probably going to be taking more contact on screens by virtue of the fact that either Goga or Jakar is going to be playing minutes. And I shared a clip this morning. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, against Portland, they were targeting Victor with post-ups that I didn't really notice the first time around. But when I rewatched that, they were having Carmelo screen the ball so that they could get Victor on a switch. And I just think he's going to be taking a lot more contact with the type of lineup they're going to have out now than what he would have originally thought if, if he was going to fully commit to this restart like a week ago. So I'm a little bit, again, a little bit worried there if he's not feeling completely a hundred percent and what the reasoning is for getting, why he isn't getting into the restricted area. If that's something about how he feels with his body, if it's a mental aspect, given that he's going to be taking more contact by virtue of what the team is now. But like you said today on the glass, they, they, and, you know, they didn't give up a bunch of offensive rebounds. They didn't get killed on the defensive glass. So that was a positive sign. Uh, just looking for any other deeper quotes, but. Um, yeah, I looked as well. I don't, I, I, I don't think I, I know that he was I, talked he to after the game, but I didn't, I'm not seeing anything. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing. 
Yeah, yes. I, just, I find <laughs> it just a little bit strange at this point that, I mean, it seems like it would be easier from his standpoint to have just said, you know, I'm going to play. And then if he did, for some reason, <laughs> have a setback, if, it, if he, you know, had swelling in his knee or whatever, I think people would understand if he came out and said, hey, I've yeah. had a setback or I'm injured. Instead of playing this, like I said, one foot in, one foot out, it seems like from Nate McMillan's perspective, all this has to be incredibly hard to plan for. Oh, like yeah. not yeah. knowing what Sabonis' status is. I mean, we haven't even got into that, but I mean. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot to unpack with that. Oh man. So it's funny though, because talking about Nate, the last, uh, last media call I was on with Nate, I think he's just so tired of, of being asked about, is Vic going to play? Is Vic going to play? Is he going to keep playing? Like, oh man, I swear <laughs> I was on one with, uh, I think it was with all the national media people. And you got asked the same question seven times in a row. And then but on the seventh time he's like, Vic's coming up right after me. He'll answer your question. Like I just, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy to look at um and to to see, especially because Nate is not like a he's not a super boisterous coach. He's pretty straightforward. But you know, just kind of the last thing I want to cover on on the scrimmage is looking at the defense and kind of the changes we're seeing there. You tweeted out about it today, uh, t- today, Caitlin on on the switching, and so I, it happened more in the second half, but the team started to switch a little bit, but there were a lot of gaffes that were just kind of leaving uh, a lot of wide open threes for the Mavericks. And um, obviously, you know, again, just a scrimmage, but at the same time, it's kind of makes you wonder whether or not this team will um, fully commit to switching more because it's not generally what they do, but with a smaller, uh, quicker team, it probably would make more sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of a choice there. I think they're going to have to switch a lot of screens that don't necessarily involve miles but in miles's defense today he was communicating those switches with mm. on the kleba threes he was motioning that the guards needed to switch off of those and for some reason they just kept keeping two on the ball happened once with tj mcconnell i think it happened once with brogdon yeah, i don't remember who the rest were on but well. yeah. right but they were mo- he was motioning for for there to be a switch there and it just wasn't happening but i mean it's new to them. I mean, all of this is, it's a massive adjustment for them to, to be doing all of this on both ends. So I got to give it a little bit of time there, but. And, yeah, and it is, it is a small group. It, it, you know, it is a small group and they are, you know, even, um, you know, like you're saying that the switch with Mello in the Portland game, those type of things are going to be, you know, heavily in the game plan of opponents now with, with this, you know, lineup and, and, it's just a matter of adjusting and getting used to handling that stuff. I think, you know, the, the second unit plays so hard and plays so well together at, at times that, you know, that's nice. And I think in both both of the scrimmages that, that's shown up to kind of help uh, get the Pacers going a little bit, that energy. And, and again, I mean, it's been kind of their calling card for the last few years, just playing harder than the other team more more minutes of the game um and you know this crew is gonna have to do the same thing yeah yeah and uh so i guess we can we can transition into kind of the 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 real piece on this you know talking about uh the kind of impasse that this team faces a little bit moving well not a little bit but completely moving forward um actually one last note Edmund sumner looked really good today he uh, he struggled in portland um but he, he kind of slowed down a little bit and was looking uh looking a little bit better today. So that was cool. Um, just a monster in transition. I love Washington play. Um, but obviously, yeah. So Caitlin, you hit on it a little bit with, with obviously the switch with Carmelo and uh, talking about Victor having to absorb contact and how that's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, looking at just the seeding games, that's not like the worst thing in the world. You know, I, I don't think he'll get, I mean, I, I agree. I think he'll get targeted, but 
then when you really start looking at the idea of a playoff series um, and the way that, that could grind down on somebody's body uh, over, you know, potentially a seven game series, I think is when you really start looking at a real problem there. Um, and especially with, you know, this team really not being built for small ball and there it's got the capability to do it, but with guys who are not used to doing it, um, that definitely opens up more risk for injury and uh, for issues in general. I, I'm, I don't, I don't really know what to lean towards in, in terms of what I think Victor should do. I mean, obviously it's up to him, but I, I personally think that I would say it, it's should not be out of the realm of, of talking about him shutting it down uh, for the rest of the season. If he's still not feeling confident enough to take contact, I, I'd love to get your guys opinion on that, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just think that there's a, there's a lot up in the air with this. I think there's got to be a risk reward analysis. I mean, I know people were angry because I suggested that if, if Sabonis couldn't play, that he would maybe need to consider not playing as well. But I mean, just watching these two games and how he looks and responding to things out there. And the fact that, like I said, I would think that if you felt really confident about returning to play at this point, you would have said, I'm coming back to play. And then if you had a setback, you would, you would just tell everybody, Hey, my knee swelled up. I, I can't play. Exactly. But the fact that he's still playing it as I'm just evaluating this day by day. I'm, I haven't made any decisions yet. I have to see if I can play Sunday. That tells me that he's, he's somewhat still on the fence and isn't super confident about doing this. And Sabonis being out is a big, is a big loss for a number of reasons. Obviously we know this. He was an all-star this year. He's their sixth man. You don't suddenly get better because you lose that piece. Like, and, and in the types of matchups they're going to be playing in, in the playoff series, that will matter. So I think that he's going to have to weigh. And like I said, and weigh because of what type of team they are now, how much more wear and tear he's going to potentially be facing. I mean, I don't know what the situation with Sabonis is. I don't know what they truly know about that injury right now to know whether Victor is going to be able to be out there with the all-star teammate or not. So Victor has more information on all of that and how his body feels, and I'll trust what decision he makes. But I will say that if he came out tomorrow and said, yep, I've, I've decided and I'm not going to play, I would understand it. I would have understood it two weeks ago, but I would really understand <laughs> it now. Yeah, and I mean, I think – Vic looks really good physically, and it, it, you know maybe it is just the mental part now, um, and it is it is a, what's the risk for him? I mean, he does need to play. He does need to show at some point <laughs> he can even come close to all star level uh, as he goes into uh, you know the contract year and and play next year. So um, you know maybe if he is physically holding up as well as it looks right now. If he's not having any setbacks after these scrimmages, we'll see now after the second one. And obviously they're not going to have this many days off all the time um, and how that impacts it. But if the physical part is there, you know, then I would think he would want to get the middle part out of the way and start, start grinding through that and at least uh, getting some level of confidence back in, in his full game. Um, otherwise, if you know, if he doesn't show it, and it's just like, oh yeah, no worry. Once I sign, I'll I'll have it all back. Then, you know, that's a risk a lot of teams are going to shy away from as well. So true. It, it you know, it's a huge, huge uh, situation for him, and, and there's no doubt not having Sabonis there as a rock in that, um, you know, on that offensive end is, is going to be an impact. Um, but um, you know, we'll we'll see. 
it, it, it's a physical thing. If it's a physical thing, there's no doubt he should, he should uh, consider, you know, not playing as much or maybe not playing at all. Um, but if it's more of the mental and, and, you know, it can still monitor the minutes on some level if it, if it feels like it is getting, it is um, taking too much of a beating out there and, and um, need some rest here and there more than, more than you would like. Um, somehow to build up that that mental side of it as well as the physical, but uh, yeah, it's it has become a uh, insane situation, <laughs> and I, you know Nate's gonna have to deal with those questions every day for yeah, I don't know another year or so. <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying, pretty much. Um, yeah, and I I think yeah I I guess I want to talk about too like do we think small ball is is viable with this lineup and do we think that this could actually translate to playoff series? Uh, and I think, you know, obviously we don't have a real answer now because there's hardly any data. I mean, going through cleaning the glass yesterday and the day before, I mean, there's like maybe 200 possessions of, of, of real, like, you know, miles and, and TJ at the four, like it just doesn't happen. It wasn't something we did a lot. Um, obviously because of rebounding mostly, I mean, TJ is a negative rebounder for his position uh, Miles is as well, so it's just not a great combo when when facing some elite front courts. And I think we're going to see a lot. Uh, I mean, obviously the first real game is against the Sixers, and they're looking to be at full health. I know Embiid is currently a little bit scuffed up, and he's not playing their scrimmage today. But even then, you're still you know Horford and Simmons in the front court uh, with with Harris playing the three. They have a lot of size. They have size coming off the bench. That is a tough matchup. Uh, and then you have the Lakers uh, the next week as well. And I, you know, I posited that question in my article yesterday. I mean, if Miles Turner is defending AD, you're, I mean, you're supposing he's going to. He's the best player to defend him on the team. Then who defends JaVale McGee who, and who's defending LeBron off that? I mean, the size is just not there to yeah. compete with, with a lot of these teams. No, that's why I worry about the wear and tear. I mean, playing up a position, it's one thing. You know, Houston's trying to do this, and I haven't broken – I mean, obviously at a more extreme scale because they don't have Miles Turner. But uh, I haven't looked to see how their shooters have held up for three-point percentages, but they're obviously shooting more threes and will continue to shoot more threes than the Pacers right. will. But, I mean, those matchups that you explain right there are exactly it. I mean, even with Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler both love setting guard-to-guard -guard screens to get those switches and be able to punish smaller guards. So, I mean – if Aaron's in the starting lineup, I mean, they were already doing that to Aaron in the games that, yep. that Aaron played against them this year. I think they'll do that against Victor because Victor's not a great post defender. I think people will be hunting that. So I don't, I don't see it. I'm not saying that I don't think that miles can succeed in a small ball lineup, but what I am saying is with the roster that's currently constructed, I think it's going to be very hard, especially if they're going to have to play Jakar or TJ leaf as the backup center. Like I'm just trying to imagine TJ Leaf playing backup center. Minutes. I am selling against, my stock on TJ. Yeah, against Joel Embiid or you know against oh, God. against Al Horford against the Sixers because you know Miles has, has struggled in the past not getting into foul trouble against Embiid within the first five minutes of the game. If he gets into early foul trouble, and I don't know what the deal is with Goga's knee at this point. Obviously, he still isn't practicing. Like then you're running a really small lineup out there. Like I just, you know, 
with with the way that it is, I'm prepared to go all in on feeding Miles the ball and hopefully getting him more reps and hopefully getting Aaron Holiday more experience. But I do not see this team as being a contending team in a playoff situation. I think about Justin Holiday. It's like almost assume he's going to have to play some four a lot. And I mean, the guy is a shooting guard. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's tough and, and does a job, but. Throughout that that lineup, they're they're just going to be at a deficit for size, and so um, again, I go back. Also, they're going to have to burn them on the other end. But they're such a, a streaky team, it seems like shooting wise, and um, at a minimum, you're going to have to get Miles Turner out there and make him make him guard him again from three to go back to the top of the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's it's. Weird to look at because, especially, I mean, looking like, like you're talking about with Justin Holiday, Tom. I mean, he's been lauded for playing the four this year, and he did it, you know, pretty well. Uh, in all yeah, fairness, but well, I mean, you just look some of some of the possessions like uh, against Philly, he was guarding Tobias Harris a lot because uh, Tobias Harris runs a lot of their bench minutes, and I mean, he would play perfect defense against him, but it doesn't matter. I mean, Tobias Harris is six foot nine. Like that's just the problem with with the current uh, roster setup. And obviously, I mean, you look at Miami's a little bit smaller of a team, uh, you know, comparatively to the idea of thinking of a Philly series. And I guess the same with Boston as well. But still, there's just so many issues stemming from uh, the way that this team would be attacked on defense. And, and I just think that the weapons, I mean, I mean, Miami in the case, they're, they're the number one shoot three-point shooting team mm-hmm. percentage-wise. They're the number one team in free throw rate. The Pacers just aren't getting those types of easy points. I mean, even today, they like you said, they shot a few more threes, but I had to look this up on Basketball Reference before I got on here. Somehow they managed to score 118 points today, but guess how many times this entire league year that a team scored 118 points while only making eight threes and only get into the line less than 22 times? Uh, was this somehow the first time? It happened twice in the Pacers. Oh where the Pacers did it one other time against <laughs> the course. Jazz this year. <laughs> but I'm like, this game was so weird today. Just so weird. <laughs> yeah, so I guess – so that means we're, we're all kind of out on, on any real playoff chances? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think – I mean, I already kind of thought this before the injuries happened. But mm-hmm. if you're playing the Heat, they're going to have to go really cold from three, I think, for you to stay alive in that matchup. Because, I mean, they go smaller with Bam, but they just have a lot more options to go small with more length. I mean, they're incorporating – I've seen them play lineups recently with Iggy and Jay Crowder at the same time. Some, You know, they can go with Bam. They can go with Kelly Olynyk, They can go – or they can go bigger with Leonard and, and Adebayo. Like, I just think it's going to be tougher to shape shift to the various things that they can do, even though – you know, I've said this before. They have shooters who struggle to defend and defenders who struggle to shoot, and you try to take advantage of that duality. I just think it's going to be more difficult for the Pacers to do, especially trying to adapt what their system has been all year in a matter of, like, a week. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be trying to do this over seeding games that right. count before you're launched into a playoff series. And, you know, with Boston, they just kind of have superior weapons in terms of their individual – creation and what they can do from the wings and even then their wings are bigger than what the Pacers wings are you know and Marcus Smart can guard five positions <laughs> right yeah the, the matchups just you know my confidence level on that's like Vic in the paint right now it's just you can't, <laughs> Ooh, that was cold you just can't see I mean I just can't see it working out long term I can see game or two you know get hot run on them you know things go well but you know Seven game series always, uh, you know, it always fleshes out 
the, the team that's stronger all the way through and uh you know it's gonna be gonna be a tough road to have yeah so i i guess just kind of going off that uh what what can we kind of maybe look for development-wise uh, in terms of where this team is going? Because now the way we can look at it, I guess, is just as um, trying to to find some things that can be consistent for next year. And uh, that sounds so – oh, God, I feel so negative saying that. But yeah. it's Yeah, we're, it's we're true. getting real negative here all of a sudden. But. I mean, yeah, but, like, what are things that we can kind of, like, look at to build upon for next year or just the future? I'll just say the future so it sounds, like, less uh, – Less damaging. It's more ambiguous. The future, it could be three days from now. It could be three years from now. Who knows? Right. I mean, if Victor plays, I think you look at the continued chemistry and, and development yeah. between he and Brogdon, how they sort that out. If Brogdon's going to play more off ball, how Victor's passing develops, just their overall chemistry. I think you definitely look at Miles. I mean, this is a great opportunity for him. And the only um, slight downside I see is that I, I've thought all along he's a five. I expect that he's going to have success playing this position because I think he's more natural popping into space and, and potentially grabbing the ball out of the pick and pop and doing as he did today, creating off the dribble a little bit, getting to the basket. And then, you know, by next year though, he's going to be going back to that four spot. So just as he gets kind of comfy doing what he's, you know, better suited to do he's going to be making another shift but I mean just getting him more touches in general and and just growing what his overall feel is feels a very you know kind of generic term but I think that's the number one thing that he kind of needs to work on in terms of you know when do I pop when do I slip when do I roll is is this when I post do I pass out of the post feeling what move he needs to make in that situation and what you said earlier I think you look at Aaron Holiday and hope that, you know, he can continue to grow and how he gets to the rim and his overall decision-making when he's making pocket passes and timing those types of passes. I mean, there's definitely still things the Pacers can gain out of this, even if, you know, they aren't going to make a deep playoff run. Absolutely. I, and I, I go back to Miles, you know, obviously there's this great opportunity for him to with a bigger role. And, and really, if they are going to have any success in the playoffs uh, series, uh He's going to be huge, you know, and the thing with him is the consistency. <laughs> you, you're talking about those those uh, little decisions within the game and just consistently hitting the right spot and getting in the right uh, flow of, of the offense and, and being in the right spots and making the right reads and, and all that stuff and doing it consistently, not having a big game and then the where was Miles today game. So, um mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I think that that it, there is a lot of focus on him now as as a, a key cog here, and a really a, a chance to show he's been in the league long enough. Now it's it's time to show um, all your goods right here, and and this is a good opportunity. Yeah, it, it's, but then see, this is you know kind of what I was thinking about today. Uh, again, not trying to be super negative, but then you look at it, and it's like. This, this was finally the chance where we were going to get to see Turner and Sabonis play right. in the playoffs together. And now it, I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, he's not going to turn into Hakeem Olajuwon overnight. But <laughs> it, I just, the, I mean, say Miles has a really, really solid stretch in the seeding games and plays well in the postseason, too. Uh, and, and so he, he spends all this time finally finding confidence in his role and starting to adjust to being a five again. And then he has to shift back to the four next year. I mean, that just muddies things up completely. And, and we still have the exact same questions that we've had all year uh, leading into the playoffs, or I guess I should say for two years pretty much. 
And, and so now it's just kind of like, where does this leave us? And how do we, how do we even look at that moving forward without, uh, with Sabonis likely out for the season? Right. I mean, the one thing is, is if, I mean, I don't know where Victor's head at is at, but if he does end up reaching an extension with the Pacers, then that extends the timeline with Turner and Sabonis to me, at least. Yeah. I mean, if, if they had been in the playoffs this year and everybody was healthy and let's, let's just hypothetically say they go out in the first round, I think that they probably would have been looking to move one of the two of them. Definitely. Yeah. And, and in Miles's case, the one thing here is is the Pacers need him to play well regardless because if he goes out there and plays well at the five and later on they do decide they want to make a move whichever way they decide, um, then other teams are going to see Miles and be like, wow, he was really successful at the five and maybe some of the reason why his numbers were down was because the Pacers were trying to pigeonhole him into that power forward role that he wasn't you know, super comfortable playing. So, I mean, he needs to perform well in these playoffs for himself, for his overall development, and for that reason, because you don't really want to send the message to other teams of like, hey, he was back at his natural position, and it didn't go all that well. Mm-hmm. Like, And what Tom said is true. Like, if you look at his numbers in the playoffs, like last year his playoff numbers were were kind of worse than his rookie year. Like, he needs to show in a playoff series that he can step up to the plate and have a big impact in a game. And, and this year – you know, the red carpet's kind of laid out for him to be able to do that. And except for in some respects, like you just said, you know, they're going to play the Sixers and there are some ways where him playing with Sabonis would have been helpful because I think it would have been helpful to cross match Sabonis onto Embiid for some possessions. Sabonis holds his spot better. Then you're at least able to continue to keep Miles Turner on the floor without him getting into foul trouble, you know, and, you know, maybe the Pacers mix in some zone there to try to mitigate some of that. But, you know, there's, there's ways that he's going to need to step up regardless and, while the Pacers don't necessarily have full evidence of what that pairing can do in the playoffs, they, you know, depending on Victor, they may not need it, but they also have a lot of evidence of how they look this year. And and I do question the overall height of the ceiling, though I do think the two of them prove that, you know, you can be a good team with both of them. You can be good. It just depends how good you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's, it's, it's definitely going to be really interesting to look at moving forward and, um, I think we're going to keep getting more questions than answers coming out of this. Um, I think the last thing I kind of want to hit upon before we get out of here, uh, TJ Warren, I'm really, really excited to see him get his first playoff series and see mm-hmm. what he can do in there. Cause he has probably been the best looking pacer so far in scrimmages. And, and you, you tweeted out earlier, Caitlin, he just really has not missed a beat and is, is looking phenomenal. And I, so I guess kind of my one question, a lot of, a, a lot of national media and, uh, people in general are positing, you know, how do the Pacers get a star wing? And I kind of question, uh, is it possible that TJ kind of molds into that guy? I, I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be, you know, the Kawhi or LeBron that we've seen in the East, but, um, you know, given his two-way development and his ability as a scorer, I think there's still room for him to grow as an isolation scorer and, and more of a one-on-one guy because he's a, a lot more of a play finisher than a play creator. Um but I think obviously he's going to get a lot of opportunities to do that in the playoffs and we could kind of see him blossom into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely excited to see him be able to compete the first time in the playoffs, like you said. And I, I wrote a little bit a week or so ago, I would like to see him alter his shot profile a little bit. I know that he bristles at that notion when he gets (laughs) asked about it. And I think overall, it's not a problem when he's, you know, shoveling in pull up twos like he was today against the deep drop. That's a really good thing. And in a playoff situation when in, especially in high leverage situations, but 
when he's taken some baseline twos, which he only took one of today, like let's clap for that. <laughs> I, I think he can eliminate some of those shots, but I mean, I'm not so concerned as maybe some of those people are. I haven't read a lot of it about the actual wing situation as I am, I guess more the four spot. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's their bigger hole. I think TJ's made good strides and a lot of times you don't even notice how solid he's been in a game until you look down at the box score and you're like, Oh, TJ had, you know, 22 points again today. Like, cause he just, he just is so solid and so quiet when he goes about his work. But I think the bigger hole is where they're at with, you know, getting a four who can shoot threes and rebound and, you know, be able to defend out on the perimeter. I think that's kind of the magic bullet that would make this, this overall roster work better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's plenty good for, for this group of guys right here playing that, that wing role. And uh, I mean, the guy rolls out of bed, ready to get buckets <laughs> and that's kind of showing up here in the scrimmages, I think, but yeah, I think I fully agree with, with Caleb Mayer, you know, an Aaron Gordon type dynamic four um, who has a little size, but can bounce outside and, and um, be athletic would be, really nice with, with this group and really compliment Warren as well um, in, in his role as a three. So, yeah, I, th- I think he's still pretty underrated out there. Yeah, I would agree with that. So it's actually kind of funny. I was talking to Caitlin about uh, Aaron Gordon before you got on, Tom. I, I did kind of a deep dive in a piece on him. Uh, uh, gosh, it's probably two weeks ago now. It feels like three months. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't know. Like, I, I really like him as a player and as his, I think he's super miscast in, in Orlando and uh, could be utilized a lot better. Um but I, I just think, you know, it depends. It, it, it is Sabonis who goes or uh, is Turner who goes? Because I think if, if he's coming to a team with Sabonis as a starting center, I don't really see how that would mesh very well. Because yeah. just watching him, I mean, his playmaking, a lot of it comes from the top of the key. Uh, out of D, you know, he doesn't really run a lot of DHOs, but he does a lot out of the post. And I just don't, I don't know if it would mesh super well with Sabonis. But, yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, getting that kind of athletic guy who can be uh, – a little bit of a free safety on defense and, and, and kind of be a jack of all trades guy while hitting some shots would be uh, enormous for this team moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm kind of ins- insinuating too. It's kind of an Aaron Gordon type guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, my bad. You know, but I mean, he, he would fit the profile, but like you said, then it's, you know, what, what's the best fit all the way through the lineup with him obviously would be huge because that would, <laughs> would require one of the two big guys to part ways with the team. So, um, that just opened up a whole another can of conversation. Well, yeah. I, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think that um, Aaron Gordon, the best way to unlock him, whichever team, I think a change of scenery mm-hmm. would benefit him, definitely. But I think the best way to unlock him is to use him in the short role and really take advantage of his playmaking, kind of similar to the some of the stuff that you'll see with um, Blake Griffin as a playmaker, I think that that would benefit Aaron Gordon, but, and I don't think that meshes super well um, with Sabonis. And I, I tend to think that if the Pacers are going to make a choice there, especially if Nate McMillan continues on in the coaching role, I know that his contract is going to be up pretty soon, but if, if assuming they extend that, uh, I think that they would lean more towards um, Sabonis as their offensive security blanket who can kind of keep the offense moving and hope that their overall defensive system would be able to cure some of what they would be giving up there. I don't know right. that for sure. And maybe their opinion would change if they saw Miles really make, you know, a jump here. Right. 
during this time period. I, I just, you know, heading into this, I'm guessing that's probably where, where their thinking would be at. <laughs> but in, in defense of what Tom said, like it definitely seems like the front office continues to carry a torch for Aaron Gordon over the last two years. For whatever reason, anytime his name gets brought up, there's always a reporter bringing up the Pacers' name. So maybe they're yeah. thinking, hey, let's poach another player from the Magic and give him a new, give him a new surrounding and suddenly they turn into Victor. I don't know, but Real quick, just back, keep keeping on these things, but, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you when you say I think they would lead him towards the bonus, and a lot of that comes from they know what they're getting from him every night, and and that's where I think Turner has the opportunity here without the bonus around to show that, you know, he can deliver every night, and that consistency is is so valuable when you're, you know, putting together a lineup and game plan and knowing what you're going to get. And, and when you get it, then, you know, you can work around the edges with other stuff. But um, when you're counting on a guy to deliver and, and he doesn't, then that frustrates the whole game plan and everybody on the, on the team. So, um, you know, that's, I think, where the, where the Pacers value Sabonis more than Turner right now. But um, we'll see if, if Turner can flip that around here in the short term. Well, and it was even interesting today because, like, yeah, they put up, they put up the 118 points, which was obviously great to see. But uh, Sabonis in a playoff situation, like I think even back to the Cleveland series, he just does so much to slip into the right spaces and lubricate mm-hmm. the offense. And you know, Dallas's zone was was quite bad today. Yeah. But I'm already <laughs> thinking ahead of that, like being able to put Sabonis in the middle of a zone in a playoff situation to be able to make reads with numbers, you know, three on two that's an area where you even saw it last year with miles at, you know, the Olympics and you've seen off and on this year, like his decision-making out of that is just, it's not quick enough. And he tends to stand like kind of in a, you know, a small, like he's in a glass box and doesn't want to make a move to get that pass there. And I think that's where it'll show up a little bit more than it has in these scrimmages or maybe in those seating games. When, when teams are coming with exaggerated game plans, like even, you know, we mentioned earlier, Doug McDermott got one, three, point attempt today and those two just have such a great wavelength and the chemistry and and a year ago when they played Boston you know the Celtics were chasing over the top and then switching on all of those staggers for Doug to the point where Doug didn't even play in game four and I'm already thinking like this year I was like you know if that happens again it wouldn't be so bad because the Celtics will probably because of their lack of size will have to pinch in on Sabonis and Sabonis is such a great weak side passer that you'll still be able to get Doug on standstill shot attempts and now I kind of wonder like does Doug McDermott's impact get weakened by the fact that you're not going to have Sabonis being able to pass out to shooters in these games I looked up a number yesterday Sabonis is number two on the team in assisted threes this year Mm -hmm. like we're talking about getting more threes and he's assisted on 111 of those like just because of so much of them you know throwing it into him in the post and he draws a double team or mm-hmm. you know, he he has a handoff for a quick three and and I I think that that stuff's going to show up yeah yeah and I I'm super uh, I'm not <laughs> super excited about a uh, a playoff series because especially you uh you, you you mentioned it as well you I think it was two days ago you you, you had the diet fad quote when talking about Jakar Sampson yeah uh, that that killed my mood and made me laugh like crazy. But uh, yeah, and I, I didn't even mean it. Like I didn't mean it completely dry. Oh no, I know, I know. But it just it made me think about watching those four sad, sad games and Wesley Matthews mm. jacking up twenty five shots a night and uh, Thad 
sitting they're, in the corner. Yeah, they're just Thad. similar in mold and that, you know, Thad was really good at finding seams and that's kind of Jakar's biggest strength. Like he's going to manufacture angles out of the dunker spot for drop-off passes, but you're not going to be getting spacing out to the four spot just like <laughs> you weren't with Thad either. Like it was just – on a similar, I was running out of characters and the best way I could describe it. I know. I loved it. It made my night, honestly. (laughs) Um, Guys, what are you, uh, what are you working on heading into the week and and looking forward to? Well, actually I'm probably not going to do anything super deep on these scrimmages just because it's kind of hard to know what to take away. So I'm probably going to be looking forward to first of all, what they actually find out about what Sabonis' situation is. I know they had a quote coming out today that they said that they thought that they were hopeful that he might be able to come back and play, which mathematically on the dates, I don't (laughs) quite understand. I mean, I don't know what the quarantine for him is going to be, but assuming he does all that treatment in L.A., like I'm just guessing, if he stays in L.A. for the one to two weeks and then – like, if you have an excused absence, I guess the quarantine's supposed to be four days, but they said that you can adjust that based on if you're going to, like, a hot spot. So, I don't know uh, if the NBA is going to consider California as hot as what they thought about, like, with Alex Caruso potentially going to his sister's wedding. I know that they were going to make that a 10-day quarantine because the wedding was in Texas. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what Sabonis' status would be there, but even it's just – even if you're just tacking on four days onto the two weeks he would be out. And I just, I don't really understand the logic of even thinking about really bringing him back because yeah. we'd be at the playoffs at that point. And now you would have adjusted to playing small with miles. And then you just have to rip all that away, let alone the fact that Sabonis won't have practiced in like a month. I don't know. Yeah. It's so disheartening. I mean, that just reminds me of the same thing happened kind of, uh, it's kind of the beginning of, the slow decline of Danny Granger was that plantar fasciitis and he kept trying to rest at rest and then finally ended up having to have, uh, you know, the minor surgery to repair it. And I've always been like, just take the pain and do the surgery right away. But it's not that easy apparently with that injury. So um, hopefully it. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon missed a lot of time with plantar fasciitis for the Bucks last year. And yeah. that, that's what he was out for all that time headed into the playoffs with. I mean, I've had it. I'm not a professional athlete, but I know that it was super painful. And then the pain gets worse because you just have to keep it supple. Like you have to be doing exercises to keep that tendon loose or else it just, it gets incredibly tight. Tends and up. yeah. So, I mean, I, if I were them, I would probably just be looking at Sabonis and being like, Hey, our next season starts in five months. Like exactly. get healthy. Yeah. Get healthy. Don't risk a big man foot injury. Like, you know, something getting worse, but yeah. they have more information than I do. So, yeah, I agree. I think it, it would probably make more sense to keep them out, but we'll see who knows what, what's going to happen. So it's the bubble. Anything can happen as, as right. Lou Williams made evident yesterday. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, I agree is though. Okay. And Caitlin, I, I don't have anything like super hard hitting coming out. I'm trying to work on a pretty niche piece. That's hopefully going to come out in a couple of days, but, uh, Definitely not like anything analytical. Analytical in a lot of ways that most people might not appreciate, but I'm I'm excited <laughs> about it. Uh, if you're a fan of '90s hip hop, you might like it. But oh, um, yeah, <laughs> so we'll see, uh, guys. Thank you for coming on. To everyone listening at home, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, go Pacers.